Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a tremendously exciting movie now, especially if you're a motorhead and you want to see what goes on at a race uh, called Ford v. Ferrari, which pretty much sets up what it is. My guest today, Tracy, that's I have no idea. You act. You write Pulitzer Prize winning plays. You are on television shows every time I turn around. So <laughs> how you have time to do all these. Are you torn between all this? Did they have to grab you by the throat and say, you're going to play Henry Ford II in this? That, that's James Mangold's style, style is to grab to you by the throat. throat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he yelled at me until I took the job, so, and I'm really glad I did. He's, uh, it's a great screenplay. He's a great filmmaker. I had a great time. And I was going to say, but you don't get to be a race car driver, but you do get in the car. One, <laughs> one of the funniest scenes. Yeah. In the whole movie is when Matt Damon's Carol Shelby character says, Deuce, which is what Henry II was called. Right. Deuce. I love that. Even though he's the grandson and yeah. not the actual son. And you get you go for the ride of your life in yeah. that. It was a great time. It was uh Really? Because how did they do it? How well, did they shoot that? Give away some. Okay, I'm in a car yeah. doing about a hundred miles an hour. That's really? the truth of the matter. I mean, James Mangold was very good about putting the actors in uh, real circumstances as close as he could to get us to the point where we didn't have to manufacture a lot we weren't acting against green screens or with tennis balls or you know we were we were in real cars now why not risk the actors lives i (laughs) say that should be done all the time well matt wasn't actually driving (laughs) that's the that's the key they they had something called a biscuit which is a kind of camera car that uh, wheels us around the tarmac but yeah we did get up to speeds about 100 miles per hour it wasn't the speed that was the scary part it was the claustrophobia those cars are not made for big guys and i'm a big guy and uh to wedge me into that car i i couldn't extend my legs can't open the door because the camera's there the roof of the car is about six inches over your head you're buckled in i'm in a period suit <laughs> right Shall, my hair shellacked and covered in makeup you can't like sit there for hours it's a, it's a little scary. Yeah, and your discomfort shows, but I yeah. thought you were just acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you have to do this? Uh, quite a few, though. I think uh, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this when I saw the film, but Jim tells me what you see is mainly the first take. That That's often did. the case. Actors yeah. come on the show and they said, well, David Fincher made me do this 90 times. And I said, which take did they use? <laughs> and they say, first one. Yeah. <laughs> It was really spontaneous. Right. Yeah. I've worked with William Friedkin a couple of times. and uh, Billy he, Friedkin. He's he, a wild man. He is. He, he only does one take. Yeah. I mean, a, a light has to fall into the shot for him to do take two. <laughs> or you have to fall down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're in it. Keeps the actors on their toes. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But playing this guy, playing this uh, titan of industry, how do you prep for that? Or is it just the inner titan in you, Tracy? that makes this happen. I'm not a big research guy. I didn't feel there was a lot of research necessary to play Henry Ford. Uh, so much, the script's very well written, so so much of it is on the page already. Uh, you know, you get a good haircut, you get a, you get a suit that fits, you look good in the suit. <laughs> Until you're uh, in the car. <laughs> right. right. Then everything is riding uh, up. Yeah. All that kind of gets you ready to do the thing, but it's really, it's really on the page. You know, the truth is I get asked to do a lot of titans of industry <laughs> and presidents and all those kind of, the, the man behind the desk mm-hmm. I get asked to play a lot of those parts so you look for the thing that makes it a little bit special a little bit different and for me the idea that 
the whole basis of the story, both our movie and the real life story, was the reason they went to this race was because of Henry Ford's insecurity. He got his feelings hurt by Enzo Ferrari and decided to go to Le Mans and beat Enzo at his own game. And that's the reason this story even exists. Because Ferrari was winning all of this, and he had the fancy car, yeah. and Ford was doing things on an assembly line. Right. But to me, maybe it's because I see too many movies, and it's a part of what it is, it's also about any industry. Right. And basically, Henry Ford II is trying to buy a youth audience. He's yeah. tired of nobody young buying his cars. Right. Ferraris are excited. One of the great things about the story is that it's complicated. It's not black and white. I mean, the movie has uh, Ken Miles and Carol Shelby as the underdogs, Mm -hmm. but they also work for the Ford Motor Company. The Ford Motor Company's never been an underdog. So there's an interesting dichotomy there between these guys who are mavericks testing the limits of these automobiles and putting their lives at risk, working for this giant corporate structure with a lot of financial interests. You know, it's, a, it's one of the interesting gray areas this movie exists in. You watch basically these guys that are racing these cars to make something work for somebody. They, they can get killed in the doing of it. It's the thing I love about Ford versus Ferrari. It is a human story. It's not about the cars. I'm not a car guy. I don't know anything about cars. We didn't even learn this till we were in Toronto. Nobody's a car guy. Nobody worked in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely <car> nobody. <laughs> and including even Chase Christian Mangle. Bale, who goes so deep into who? Not a car guy. Not a car guy. And uh, Mangle, not a car guy, which I think is a good thing. I think that if the movie had been made by a car guy, he might have fetishized the cars or were focused more on the cars than on the human story. And I think the human story behind Ford versus Ferrari of these these guys thrown into this competition together, uh, s- some of them unlikely partners, uh, Henry Ford with these guys, uh, and yet there's something about people coming together to make something that is it's moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can identify with that with that idea of cooperation, collaboration, competition. Uh, that I mean. <laughs> Two cars lined up trying to beat each other to the finish line. It, it doesn't get more uh, uh, apparent uh, competition. Doesn't uh, It's just such a concrete way in which to compete a race, yeah. right? Uh, but, I, you know, these guys, it's a story about their, their friendship and their cooperation with each other in order to make this happen. It takes a lot of moving parts to make this thing happen, to pull this off. Well, it does. And again, it's like the movie industry. Right. Or, or even the theater. That's right. It takes, it's never one person. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think he would admit it, Mr. Mangold, but I think that analogy of making a film, mm-hmm. uh, artists uh, working for corporate interests, uh, especially to, to do something great, uh, mm-hmm. do something of some size, some scope, uh, I think that's something that. Uh, Mr. Mangold absolutely identified with. I like how you're calling uh, him Mr. Mangold, which shows true respect for director. I love the guy. He's a great... He's, he is. I think he, he's, he's a great movie been director. Jim to me, but <laughs> I think if I were working for him, I think the Mr. sometimes helps, doesn't it? Uh, it I, he, there's something about Mr. Mangold that is really... <laughs> okay, uh, we're sticking with it. There's something about him that's very inspiring. I would... I would go into battle for that man. I really would. He in, he inspires that 
that kind of camaraderie. Uh, I mean, he yells, he he curses, he he throws a fit, but it's something not done, the rest of us <laughs> never. <laughs> but it's not done out of insecurity. You can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. It's done because he's passionate, because he cares about the thing, because he's excited. He's trying to get it done. It's his way of communicating, and I, I just I love him. We had a great time. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Does he say things like more intimidating, Tracy? How do you do that? Because it it would be boring, I think, to play somebody who is intimidating with bluster, you know. Yeah. But you don't do that, not ever. So he has great authority, but it's never taken to that point where you're thinking, oh, this is just crazy. This guy's crazy. Yeah. No, he's sinister sometimes, right. but wow. Well, that's part of the fun. I mean, you know, if you're the guy in power, you don't really have to do a lot, right? Guys in power don't have to do a lot. They don't, they don't have to yell. They don't have to... They got to have someone else do it yeah, for them. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. They push a button behind the, behind the scenes. You never know. That's the great thing about playing guys like that. I, I really enjoy that part. It's like, oh, I, I'm... Perfectly comfortable sitting in this seat of power. At home, is that the same? Does your wife just say anything you say, Tracy? Because <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way for really me. Not like that <laughs> not at like all. That at all. Uh, I'm uh, I'm the quiet guy sitting reading the newspaper and <laughs> letting everybody else run the show. I'm uh, so it's cathartic in a yeah, sense. Yeah, I suppose. To do, I suppose maybe it is. I don't know because you're married to Carrie Coon, who's one of the best actresses around. And you've even dared to work together, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is tricky in a marriage. And life is so much better when she's calling all the shots. Really? Oh, my God. God. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> really? That's it? Oh, yeah. I had yeah. heard something. Uh, the fa- first time we ever went to the grocery store together. Me and really? Gary. That's always a big thing. So, so we go to the grocery mm-hmm. store and I start unloading the groceries. And I'm doing it wrong. She tells me I'm doing it wrong. And I went. Great. How do you do grocery shopping wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It's like, great. I'm done. You do it from now on. <laughs> I don't ever have to worry about it again. <laughs> great. <laughs> I never do. That sounds like the guy's way out. <laughs> it really does to do it. She's taught you that. I love it. I love it. But you work- Women should run everything. They should do everything. They should run it all. But you two met when you were doing Virginia Woolf, yeah. right? So... That's an interesting thing to do, too. There you are, the star who wins the Tony Award. That right. should have given you a degree of authority and power. Yeah. Um, but it didn't? No. No, really. see, I'm glad. <laughs> These are great stories. I heard something, and then I'll get off of this, about your actual wedding ceremony. Yeah. What, what, can you talk of that a little bit? We were married in a hospital. <laughs> uh, we were going to go uh, to the courthouse, and we had one day left on our, you know, you've, uh, on our Illinois marriage license. Mm-hmm. She had just come back from L.A. And the night before we were going to go get married, I said, I'm not feeling well. And uh, wound up in the emergency room. Long story short, I had my gallbladder removed. So Carrie went and found the chaplain in the hospital uh, who had never performed a, a, a wedding service before. Normally, she's there for sadder, more somber events. And she came to our hospital room, and she performed the ceremony. We were wed in the hospital. So I was, she does take charge. Then. Absolutely. She found this yeah. person to do this. She was, she was wearing my T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I was in a hospital gown in the bed uh, on a lot of drugs. I was very drugged up from the, <laughs> from the surgery. I, don't, I remember very little about our wedding ceremony. I want the rights to that movie. I just <laughs> think it would be great. It's actually we, great to get married in a hospital. I would recommend it. 
I think many people won't leap to that because <laughs> do they actually have to have gallbladder surgery? Well, the nice thing know. about it is that you're... Were you sitting there yellow and, uh, you know, looking completely out of uh, it? Yes, I was. <laughs> the nice thing about it is that the rest of the world is shut out, right? It's really just you in that situation. I'll tell you this. Uh, nobody we know who's had a big wedding has told us we did it wrong. <laughs> Much cheaper for starters <laughs> right. than it had to be. You right. know? <laughs> That's what it is. Wow. Wow. Well, in that, when I was seeing, I should say this before, that at the same time Ford v. Ferrari is out, you have another show in New York, uh, yeah. Linda Vista, a play that you wrote a couple of years previously to that. So it played in this. But it's a play about white dudes. Um, yeah. Uh, somewhat well, around. It's about a white dude. A, a yeah. white dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a couple of others, but, yeah. you know, this guy Wheeler is a special one. Yeah. And when you leave that show, you're feeling about white dudes as uh, this guy is divorced or in the midst of it. And he's he has a lot of opinions. Yeah. Radiohead is not his favorite. Yeah. None of those movies are good anymore. Right. You know, and he's charming. He can talk people into bed. He can do anything. Yeah. But he's got how much of this guy is you? Not much. Really? Even though you created him? Yeah, not much. I mean, you know, he borrows from, like I say, he borrows from me, he borrows from friends of mine, uh, divorced, uh, kids, uh, career frustrations, uh, money troubles. Uh, you know, he has some things in common with some people I know, but, I, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a takedown and it's not a meathead defense. It's uh, no, it's, it's a, in that middle, yeah. like life is. Yeah, so that's my <laughs> yeah. hope that he's a real guy. He's, he's a real guy, but some people in the theater afterwards were cursing him out. Sure, tremendously. Oh, he inspires uh, <laughs> some sympathy, but he also inspires a lot of antipathy. A lot of people don't like him or come not to like him. It's kind of a challenging thing. He starts off as our. Uh, curmudgeonly protagonist but over the course of the thing he really kind of becomes the antagonist in his own story you Does. find yourself rooting against him mm -hmm. and then maybe he tries to win back your sympathies a little bit as as an audience member it's a it walks a fine line it it inspires arguments which i'm very happy with that's it nobody leaves thinking i understand this completely yeah really. there, there comes a point in the play where people are very invested in the outcome and yet they want to see perhaps different outcomes. And as a playwright, that's something I absolutely strive for, where people are very invested in the story. They're, they're leaning forward. They want to see what happens next. But their, their viewpoint about it changes depending on who they are. It becomes a kind of Rorschach test for the audience. I like that. How did this begin for you? This, you're in Oklahoma, uh, right? You're born there. Yeah. <laughs> what? When That's do not you bad kind of, in and of itself. No, I think it's kind of great. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when those of us who live in New York think of Oklahoma, we go, oh, Oklahoma, you know, right. we, this is what we think. And that's, right. of course, not how anybody grows up right. in quite that way. But when did you decide, you know what I was going to do? I was going to take my thoughts and I was going to put them down on paper somewhere. Uh, my, my folks were both English teachers. Mm -hmm. They were both creative people, uh, really smart people. Um, they taught at a small university in a small town in southeastern Oklahoma where I grew up. And I think they really hoped that uh, I would get the hell out. Uh, <laughs> I, they really did hope for that. And they, so they encouraged 
creative endeavor, they encouraged writing. And then when I got bit by the theater bug, they encouraged acting. I have a brother who's a musician. They, they encouraged all of that. Uh, they wanted us to have interesting lives. And uh, the life of an artist is an interesting life. So that's really where it all comes from. I, but making it happen isn't that easy. Not easy at all. <laughs> uh, not easy for anybody. Uh, when I was, I spent a couple of years in Dallas, and then when I was 20 years old, I floated up to Chicago and uh, fell in love with the theater scene in Chicago, and I've lived there ever since. Who were you? What kind of guy were you then? I don't know. Uh, that's wild? such a good question. Wild? Um, yeah, you know, I got I got sober at 28. I I haven't been shy about talking about my mm -hmm. sobriety. Uh, so yeah, I had some wild years. I uh, bit of a depressive, not a bit of a mm -hmm. depressive, a pretty major depressive. Uh, uh, hardworking though, even even then, working hard to try to improve my craft. The Chicago theater is a is a is a great uh, and very rigorous atmosphere for artists. Uh, still, mm -hmm. it is now. It was then. It was before I got there. Uh, it's a because people are really focused on the work. They're not focused on. There's not a star system there, right? You're not going to make any money in Chicago. So people are really focused on the work. Audiences in Chicago embrace new work. They mm -hmm. want to see new plays. They will venture out to see Who new plays. Who are these plays. people? I want them to come and move here. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. they're in Chicago. They're great, in Chicago, so we can go find them there, right. as are you, <laughs> staying there yeah, in Chicago because of that feeling. But what happened to you doesn't happen to a lot of people. Yes, you can be an actor. You can write plays. You can make a living, but you're not going to become uh, Henry Deuce. Right. You're not going to be that. But when you have a success like August Osage County, what happens? That does put you on some other level. What happens to that head? Yeah, I don't know. Unexpected success and, and late success. I mean, I I didn't have a credit card till I was 43 years old, <laughs> you know. Uh, so kind of late in life uh, or later in life than we sometimes think about these mm -hmm. things happening. But, uh, I mean... If, fantastic and unexpected and fun and and because i was 43 so, ha, had some perspective about all of that mm -hmm. uh enjoyed it but didn't necessarily think oh this is this is the new way this is you know i, I mean as soon as i as soon as august was open and running i went back to work on my next play it's like that's the thing to do just keep working now are you as a critic of you as an actor oh as an actor yeah yeah you know i don't <laughs> Like the film and TV stuff, I don't. I watch it. I yeah. watch it once because, especially because I'm curious about the work of the other people I've been working mm -hmm. with. But I can't be objective about myself when I see it. So I watch it. and I go, oh, that's the, that's what we did, and then <laughs> uh, then I'm done watching. <laughs> I don't have it. to yeah. watch it. You know, for the longest time working on Homeland, I, I, I because I had not worked a lot on camera. I was just really focused on the other actor. Just, mm -hmm. You're right there, and I just want to play the scene with you, and I don't care. And it took a while before I started to get okay with the idea that there was a camera in the room. It's okay that there's a camera <laughs> here, you know? It takes a while. As a theater actor, you, you, you don't have that. It's uh, not there. Yeah. It's not poking in your face. <laughs> sometimes the camera's big. Sometimes right? it's tiny. Right. We're Does playing a scene and the audience yeah. is there watching right. us play the scene. But the camera mm -hmm. is a different thing. And so it takes a while to get used to the idea, oh, it's all right that that camera's recording what we're doing. In fact, I like that it's here. So you're brave and you're fearless now. Oh, God. <laughs>
Come on. Don't, don't put those words I put in my that, mouth. I'm not putting anything. <laughs> I wouldn't dare. But the fact is that since this is the first time you've been on this show, you don't know that we always end in a little bit of the guest giving us a little bit of song. And I know that there's a song in your heart. I know that there's something that uh, drives you every day. And that there's something you're whistling. Uh, you're from Oklahoma. And <laughs> I'm sure you can do the whole score. Because what you've done for well, Oklahoma. What are you looking for here, anything, Peter? Anything that's actually you. I you don't want to give you anything. Do you want to hear me sing? I do. I do. Even if it's the tiniest morsel of something. I'm not a singer. I know that, but that's the, those are the best. But the you, singers are all scared. I just I said that you were fearless. And when brave. you've had singers everybody, on this show. They're I, the ones who get shy, but I Have they sung they on do. the show? They do. Everybody does. There's nobody. Every, nobody's there's nobody, ever nobody. denied you. Meryl Streep. They, Clint she Eastwood, can sing. They all, well, Clint Eastwood can't, but he did anyway. And there's great heart in it. In the corner of my eye. I saw you in Rudy's. You were very high. You were high. It was a crying disgrace. They saw your face. You've just been holding out on me that whole time. <laughs> you put me through torture. Dan. I heard them last night at the Beacon Theater. I, I went to the Beacon to hear so, Steely Dan, so and they were what? fantastic. And you were fantastic, too. So you, uh, that was really mean-spirited. But, Tracy, great to talk to you. Thanks, it really you. is. Thanks wow, a lot. that was... <laughs>